we're starting up a new series. So we're starting up a series called The Trust Factor where we're looking at, not rock climbing, but we're looking at the Christian life and how similar it is to this whole idea of faith and trust in your partner and trust in someone, confidence in someone who, who you have to fully rely on, take major risks. And so this whole idea that you get, if you've ever done any rock climbing, then you really understand the language there, what it's talking about, how you really need to trust that person. You can't, climbing, rock climbing isn't for the faint of heart. And, and so anytime I climb, I'm not really a, one who enjoys climbing all that much, but anytime I do climb, um, it's true. If I've got an experienced partner with me who's on belay, I'm very, I'm, I'm much more at ease up there. It doesn't mean I'm not concerned, but I'm much more at ease to know that person's gonna, gonna be able to catch me if I fall off this thing. But most of us would say that we're really willing to trust God, no matter what. I, I would say if I say, would you, are you willing to trust God no matter what? I bet a good percentage of people would raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm willing to trust God no matter what. Uh, but I think if we're honest, if we're truly honest, we would admit that it's, it's pretty difficult at times to really make that statement. I'll trust you no matter what, God. Many of us are willing to trust God conditionally. You know, up to a certain point, with certain things, under certain conditions. God, I trust you as long as there's got to be this little attachment at the end that, that we can kind of have our, our hands in the situation controlling what the outcome might be. God, I will trust you if these things come true or if, if I can get these things um, then I'll trust you. I'll really trust you. So there's these conditions, I think. I don't know about you, but I've come to the point where I recognize that trusting God almost always involves risk. Trusting God for me has always involved major risks. I have to, I have to trust first without knowing the full outcome. And for me, I prefer to live my life as far back from the edge as possible. I mean, I just I think I'm wired this way. I don't exactly like to live um, on the edge. I don't want to build my home right on a cliff and just be living on a cliff my whole life. I prefer to just to be back, you know, kind of on the center of the plateau, you know, where I can see the edge, but I, I'm far enough away from it to where I feel safe. Um, I like to be able to see all my little ducks in a row. I just like to see each one of them, and I can name them all. I like to have the plan worked out. I like to see my future laid out in a pretty predictable manner, and maybe some of you would agree. I also like to know the exact outcome of my decisions. You know, God, I'll trust you in this if this is exactly what's going to happen. I, I just simply like to play it safe, and um, I'm going to guess that many of you would, would be on that same team. You would prefer to live back from the edge. You'd prefer safety and security over major risk and living on the edge. There might be a few, a handful of you in this room. You, you already like to rock climb. This is what you live for. Extreme sports, extrip, extreme life. And, and you just do everything on the edge. And um, that's great. You know, welcome. Nice to see you here today too. But I think most of us here, we prefer to kind of to not live right there. We don't like to live our lives right there. But again, I have found that God, if I'm going to trust Him, it means that He's going to keep forcing me to live life on the edge, taking major risks. So I want to be really upfront with you. This, this is a four-part series, and, and here's the goal for the series. 
and it's at the top of your listening guide. It says this, I want to challenge you to trust God to the extent that you obey Him and are willing to risk your safety, your comfort, and your personal goals. That's the goal for this four-week series. I want to challenge you in that way to take some risks with your life and to put some things on the line in order to really obey God, which demonstrates that you truly trust Him. Obedience and trust go hand in hand in the Scripture. Look at Proverbs 3, 5-7 through 7 as we launch into this today. And uh, Solomon says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Solomon was a wise king and he's giving this advice. We can learn from him. This was being written. To, uh, you know, his son was receiving this as well. But uh, we can learn from these very words as well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Sometimes our heart gets moving in a certain direction. And our hearts, we all know that our hearts are kind of like roller coasters, aren't they? they? We have feelings and emotions that, depending on the day, it's really difficult to trust God because our heart is racing sometimes. And there's risk involved, and so our hearts are going up and down, and we don't know if we can really trust. And so Scripture says you don't trust the feelings of your heart. You trust the Lord with your heart. So you have to give your heart, in a sense, to say, Here, God, I, I commit all of this emotion, all these feelings, all these things I'm experiencing in my head right now, I commit all that to you, and I'm going to trust you with it, with all of it. And he says, you know, don't lean into your own understanding. This whole idea of leaning is really the, the, the picture of this verse. Trusting really means to lean into. Um, but it, he's saying, don't lean into your own understanding. Don't, don't rely too heavily on what you can come up with. Trust God with what you can come up with. He restates this in verse 7. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Like, don't come up with your own plan here. Don't think of what you can do better. But just fear the Lord. He's saying just keep putting your trust back in Him. Now, this is a major, major challenge. And the problem is God keeps pushing us to that point in our life. And if we want to walk with Him, and if we really want to live life, a life that pleases Him, He's going to continue to push us in the direction of faith. And that, that's why I want to look at it. Let's look at what trust really means. Um, the New Testament and the Old Testament kind of defines the word trust slightly differently. In the Old Testament, you have a word, batach, which means to go for refuge. The idea here is, is you're going to the place of real safety. You go to that one place where you know you can rely, you can lean under a certain place that you will not get hurt. The New Testament, on the other hand, the word actually means to have faith in a person or a thing or to entrust. To entrust, especially entrusting your spiritual well-being to someone else. And so, summing it all up, here's the definition we're going to work with for this series. Trusting in the Lord, it means counting on God to keep His word. This is a place of refuge. We, we believe, followers of Christ believe that God's words are actually a place of real refuge. We can lean heavily into what God has to say. We can, have, we can actually entrust our well-being to God Himself, believing that He will not rip us off in life when we see everyone else being um, unreliable. And so, that's what it means to trust in the Lord. And it involves a few different things. There's some verses here that I don't, we're not going to go through each one of them, but trusting in the Lord involves putting confidence in Him. 
This is one idea you get from the Scripture. To put confidence in Him. That's fully relying on Him. Confidence. You have no doubt that He's going to come through. That's, that's part of trusting in the Lord. Would you say that that defines you? I have no doubt that God is going to come through. Another thing is trusting in the Lord also involves relying on God to come through versus relying on someone else. Isaiah 31.1, it's not up here in your outline, but it, talks, it says this, it says, Woe to those who go to Egypt for help, who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. So he's saying certain people trust in the army. They trust in their forces. They trust in what they can gather and muster up and physically see. But those who trust in the Lord, you know, they're relying fully on Him. They, they know He's going to come through. They don't need to look anywhere else. Trusting in the Lord also involves this. It involves staying faithful to God's direction even though things look impossible. Staying faithful. There was a man in the New Testament named Paul and he, he was always in harm's way. He was living life on the edge. His life was really marked by serious, serious struggle because he was trying to be obedient to God. And he writes this in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. It's not on your outline, but it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships that we suffered in the province of Asia. See, he was trying to get them prepared to really walk with God and trust Him. He says, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. That's when you know you're in, you're in trust mode, is when you're at a point where you realize, I'm, I'm past the point of endurance here. So that we had even despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So that's the key there is Paul had put his hope in God himself who had the power to raise Christ from the dead. And so Paul was saying, I'll stake my life on this person, on Jesus Christ. He also said in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we live by faith, not by sight. That's, that defines those who trust in God. They'll stay faithful even though things look like they're not going to work out. The sight side of things is where I struggle most, I think, in life. I want the sight. But Scripture says we live by faith, not by sight. But that's just not comfortable for me. Like I said, I like to live on my plateau far enough back from the edge where I can see everything laid out comfortably and I can predict what's going to happen in the future. But that's not really trusting God. That's trusting my sight. Look at this next, Hebrews 11.6. Trusting the Lord also is believing God exists and rewards those who seriously seek Him. Look at this verse with me, Hebrews 11.6. It's a powerful verse. And it keeps rocking me to the core because I, I keep... Real, recognizing how much this really would cost me to live this way. It says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That first line is the one that gets me especially. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Trusting God is the only way to please Him. That's the only way. Anytime... If God's pushing us towards the edge in different areas and He's asking us to trust Him and be obedient in certain areas and we take a step back and we live in safety and security, we're not really trusting Him. Therefore, we're not really pleasing Him. He's not pleased with that when I do that. So here's a question that I ask myself and I'd like you to consider is what are you doing right now in your life that requires faith? What am I doing right now 
in the way I live my life that requires faith. And if that's all you get out of today's message, then I really would be okay with that. Just that you would consider that question and that you'd ask that throughout your week. What am I doing in my life right now that really requires faith? And then, you know, what are those areas He's pushing me? Where is God pushing me to trust Him? How, how is He pushing me to the edge in life? And what am I doing with that? Because without living in that place, it's impossible to please Him. So, once again, I really want to challenge you to trust God to the extent that you obey Him. And consider these different areas that we're going to look at. Trust also always involves risk. Just like on that rock climbing video, you saw, you know, you saw that, that you know, giant mountain that they had, were planning to climb. You know. you know, that's major risk. Don't sign me up for that adventure. I'll pass. I'll watch the video in HD or something and feel like I'm there. Or in 3D, and then I'm really feeling like I'm there. But, but trust always involves risk. God wants us to experience real risk because He knows it's going to force us to trust Him. So what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at four different areas where, we're going to, where God wants us to take some major risk and trust Him. And just remember, there's no other way to please God than to live on the edge. And so here's the first risk. Risk number one. Today we're going to look at this. If I trust God, then it means that I'll follow leadership. I'll follow leadership on all different levels. God, God has so much to say about authority. The word authority, um, you may not see that word come up in the Bible all that often, but it is implied throughout the Scriptures that there is God-ordained authority in our lives on all different levels. And we, we never really arrive at a point where we can escape from authority. You know, you might think, oh, I'm going to leave this place and I'm going to be free. Just the free man. And then we realize we're still under authority. There's just always people who God has placed in our lives over us who we need to follow. And it's challenging. But here's some things about authority. The scripture says that God has established all authority. Romans chapter 13 looks at this. Speaking, It's really speaking specifically about government officials, but this can be applied across the board for all leadership because the principles are true to what you see in other arenas of, of authority. So look at verse 13 of Romans, or I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. All authorities God has established. There's some good leaders, there's some bad leaders, but God has allowed leaders he exalts one he brings another one down the scripture says and sometimes we're thinking man why is this guy leading this company this family this organization this country this community this team this church this uh pta organization why is this person leading and why am i not leading and i think we we wrestle with this whole area but God has established all authority. That's what Scripture says. And goes on, says that rebelling against authority brings judgment. When we, do, when we decide to rebel and we just decide to not recognize authority or go around authority or try to divide authority, and that brings about real problems for us. Look at verses 2 and 3. Paul goes on and he says, Consequently, since God put him there, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. 
And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. That's kind of a scary thought. That God Himself will come after us, bringing judgment if we rebel against human authority in life. For rulers, verse 3 says, For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and He will commend you. So we're really encouraged not to rebel. We're encouraged to stay in line, to be working under authority, recognizing that it came from God. And then also, each authority... This is what God says. Each authority is God's servant to do good. Now, we're going to look at this as we go on because you know some leadership don't always do the right thing. Some leaders make bad choices. But each servant or each authority is God's servant to do good. Verses 4 and 5 says, For he is God's servant to do you good. For If you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He's God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. So there's, there's judgment that comes on different levels. God is trying to work something out through this individual that is leading in whatever arena of life you're in. Here's just a quick overview. What arenas of authority has God established? You see it in your outline. Civil authority. Uh, we just looked at those verses. And the purpose of civil authority or government is to just it's to do citizens good and it's to maintain order and justice. That's the reason why there's government. It's to maintain order, to carry out justice. It God has these are God's servants to do good. That's the purpose. Doesn't always happen. And you don't have to agree with the position of those who are in power to follow them. You, know, you may not agree with the mayor, the governor, the president. But God wants us to, to follow leadership. He wants us actually to yield to the position and to the direction of the people that are overseeing things in the government. And uh, Romans 13, verses 6 and 7. It's really an interesting. It goes on. Just read this from the Scripture. It says, This is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. As a follower of Christ, we don't really have a way of getting around paying taxes because God has established all authority and we live in a land that requires that we pay taxes. And so for us to go around and just to try to sneak around this whole area of taxes, we're actually dis- we're being disobedient to God and it, in essence, we're actually saying to God, I don't trust you. You must have messed up a little bit on this one because I would have had a better way of doing it, God. And so the fact that I've got to pay X percentage of taxes, it just doesn't make sense, so I'm going to not do it. And um, that's, that's, again, that's taking a step back from the edge and saying, God, I can't, I can't trust you in that area of my life. But there's that whole area of civil authority and government to, to take a look at. Another area is the workplace. We all um, have worked somewhere or currently do work somewhere. And in the workplace, the purpose of, of the workplace is to provide a product or a service that will bring benefit to the society or to people. Hopefully, who you work for or the company that you, that you work for is, is actually doing that, that there's a good product or a good service that this is providing to the community. And your role is to, if you're, unless you own the company, your role is to help the owner to carry this mission forward 
to bring this service to their customers. And now you might be struggling with following your boss. You might have a really hard time with that. Uh, maybe they're hard to work for. And so you leave a job only to find yourself in a different company with the same kind of leader. And so you put up with it for a while and you realize, man, this guy's got a problem. I'm going to leave this place. And you, you end up at a new company, different, different name, but the same kind of guy. And you keep finding yourself under the same kind of leader and then you recognize, man, why is this following me around? That happened to me. And I recognized God was actually trying to get me to trust him through this. This whole area of following my boss was actually an area of God where I was just trying to teach me how to trust him and follow the person over me. And that's, that's, a, that's a scary thing to do. But this is where God's going to keep us. He's going to keep pushing us towards that. Colossians 3, 22 through 25 says, now, New Testament, there was, so he's talking, slaves obey your masters. Um, you know, here in our country, slavery's been completely abolished. But there's some principles from that, that, this, that are communicated here that are talking about the workplace, you know, for the person who has a boss. And so I want you to catch this without getting um, derailed with the issue of slavery. But l- listen to the verses. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart for the Lord. And catch this. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. You know, we thought it was so-and-so we were serving. And God's saying here, no, this is, this is Jesus we're actually working for. He's our ultimate boss. And the way that we follow our boss, our human employer, is a reflection of our trust in God. And... So again, in verse 25, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there's no favoritism. Like God isn't going to, just because you're his child, he's going to spare you from getting fired if you decide to, to be a bad employee. This is a serious area he wants us to follow him in. Another one is the home. The home. We're, we're not going to go into this in too much detail, but there are some roles. You'll find the roles, and I'd encourage you to read through this. Ephesians 5:22 through 6, through chapter 6, verse 4, just talks about the roles that we've been asked to play in life. Now, sometimes the roles don't make any sense. We read this and we say, what? I don't want to follow to that extent. I just got really dizzy all of a sudden. Sorry. See if I can catch my focus here. <clears throat> so, you know, there's these different roles we're to carry out in the home. And, again, sometimes we think, well, I will follow if 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 you're married and you're and you're and you struggle with following taking the lead and direction that your husband lays out and says hey we're going to move in this certain area of of life we're going to make these decisions um, who are you really supposed to trust in that situation the person that you need to trust is God you put your hope in God as you follow the person that he is he's assigned to lead your family God's trying to do something through your family. He's trying to accomplish a purpose. The purpose of family is to, to, to be companions in doing God's will and to raise up godly offspring. That's what God is trying to do through the home. He's trying to get you to cooperate together to raise up a new generation who will follow Christ. Malachi says this in verse 15. If we can skip to verse 15 in Malachi 2. It says, Has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit they are His. Talking about marriage. And Why? 
Why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. God is trying to reproduce godly offspring through family. And he's going to do it in a way that sometimes doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us, depending on the role that we play in our family. And many times, wives will only take their husband's lead. Well, they will take their husband's lead when they get their husband to do what they want them to do. And so as soon as he gets under control, under my control, then, then I'll, I'll take their lead. But again, this is a trust issue. It requires some serious trust in God, believing that he can work through your husband to lead your family in the right direction. And then there's church. There's this whole arena of, of church. The purpose of church, you find this in Matthew 28 and in Colossians 1.28, is to make disciples. To make disciples out of unbelievers, out of those who have not yet decided to follow Christ, and then to help other people grow. So that's the purpose of the local church. And Hebrews 13.17 says this. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So spiritual leaders have to answer to God for their leadership. And so when you're entrusting yourself to spiritual leadership, you're actually saying to God, I trust you to lead me through these people, through my group leader, through my team leader, through the pastors. Who I, I trust you, God, that you're, you're, you're in charge of these people. And so in all of these arenas, there really is communicated in a number of passages just the idea of the importance of following leadership and how that is tied to trusting God. Our obligation, what's our obligation to authority? Here, here's two words that really come up in the New Testament. Submission or submit and obey. And submission has to do with taking a position. has to do with taking a position, understanding that somebody is in charge. And so I have to take a different position. I have to humble myself and follow the lead of those people who, lead my, who are in leadership roles, whether it's in the home, in government, in the church, in the workplace, the word submitted actually means being willing to yield. The Greek word actually implies a crossroad, like in an intersection, to where one car has to yield the right of way to another. And so the idea is that when you come to a point where you disagree with the person who's the leader over you, it's, it's being willing to say, the yield sign is in my lane. I must yield because I don't hold that position of leadership. And so it's taking a certain position in life and yielding to the one that God has assigned to lead. And then taking their direction. The opposite of this is choosing and dividing. <clears throat> Scripture says that choosing is really when we move out from under authority. We, we, we decide we want to step away from authority and we begin to choose what we think makes sense. We think we know better, and so we want to choose the goals for the company. We want to choose the goals even for our employer. And sometimes you'll be working for someone, and you're thinking, man, I really do know better than them, and they need to, they need to do things my way. Why should we do things their way? And so we start assigning goals to our, even our leaders, and then we stubbornly try to force that upon them and we make it hard for them to lead. And Scripture says that really violates this principle of authority. <clears throat> Or dividing. Dividing is when we undermine the leadership over us and we try to divide the workforce. We try to divide the home and we try to get people to take sides and to work against the God-ordained leader. And in the church this can come up. 
this can come up in, in many ways, but it comes up in gossip, slander, stealing hearts. You see this in story in the Old Testament where the son of the king tried to steal the hearts of his followers so that he would gain a following and his father, the king, would you know, lose his leadership. That was dividing. But this can, te- this can happen in church where someone comes up and rises up to teach a different doctrine. It sounds right, but it's, it's slightly off. They're, they're working their own agenda. There's a different doctrine. The New Testament says that the church needs to pay attention. Pastors need to pay attention to, the, to this issue when it comes up in the church. Because those who try to defi- divide the church are really working for, for the enemy. They're not on God's team. They're working for the enemy. And they're working to carry out his plans to divide God's body because it's so precious to God. So that's the whole idea of submission. It's just taking a, a different position. It's taking a lower position and, and yielding to the leader. And then obedience has to do with taking a direction. Taking a direction. The word in Greek, it means to be easily persuaded. That's the word obedience, to be easily persuaded. <clears throat> it's when you hear a superior, you don't have, your arm doesn't have to be twisted to do what they're asking you to do. You just follow along and you're, you're yeah, you know, you got your marching orders and you're moving in that direction. So the company says, this week, every day, I want to have 25 sales calls. You know, and you're thinking, man, we only get 15 done each day, and he's asking for 25. So rather than deciding, no, my goal's 20, I'll meet him halfway, and secretly creating your own goal and then communicating that to others, it's just deciding, I'm going to aggressively work at 25. I'm going to do whatever I need to do to accomplish that goal. Again, in the home, making, you know, trying to make it difficult on, on those who lead in the home or in the church. And that's just, <clears throat> it's when we try to, well, the opposite of this is foot dragging. It's when the leader says, let's go this direction. And you're like, you're just kind of, you're just taking your sweet little time. And, and then they're looking back and there's obviously this straggler following from behind. He's not making much progress. So you're difficult to lead and you're being a challenge to the person who's, who's the leader. That's, that's this whole issue of trusting in the Lord as it relates to following authority. This is a real challenge. And I feel like this is one of those cliffs that God wants us to live on. He won't ever, if we're going to trust Him, He's going to keep pushing us to this cliff of trust, trusting, or I'm sorry, of following leadership. And oftentimes it doesn't make much sense because we see bad leaders. And there are times when we do not have to follow. And I've listed those for you. We don't have to follow authority that command us to violate the Word of God. If ever your leaders are leading you or giving you direction to do something that violates what God has said in His Word, then that's when you don't have to, that's when you don't have to go along with it and follow. It doesn't mean you need to um, slander them. You don't have to punch them. You, know, you don't have to get physical with them, but you don't have to follow. Acts 4.19 it says, but Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. There were times in, in the early church when the church was just forming and there were these, there was these issues that came up when God's people were speaking boldly for him and sharing their faith and they were told, you can't do that here. And in, in this case, he's saying, look, judge for yourselves that we've we got to obey God. He has commissioned us to spread this message. Acts 5.29, Peter and the others were other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. So whenever there's a leader that's leading you to violate what God says, that's, that's when it's okay not to follow. Another thing is we don't have to follow 
authority that tries to usurp another another authority's jurisdiction. There, so what what this might look like is, as this might look like a husband telling a wife to disobey the law. You know, so you're you're telling your wife. Um, because I've got this great reason. I figured out a way that we don't have to pay taxes. So let's not pay taxes. And I'm going to convince you why this is okay. And, and you're thinking, wow. You know, you're the wife and you're thinking, oh, that sounds good. We're not going to have to pay taxes. More money for us, you know. And that's a time, again, when you don't want to follow authority. When you want to stand up and blow the whistle and say, no, we need to follow the authority. Or there's a situation in the Bible. We're not going to look at the story. But there's a situation where the church was... Receiving funds to care for people and caring for each other as a whole. They really looked at each other as a whole. When needs were there, the church would meet needs together collectively. So there was one couple, one couple, Ananias and Sapphira, who says that they, they came to the church leaders and they said, Here, we sold some land. We're giving you all the proceeds of it. You know, praise God. And, uh, well, it turns out they kind of kept some of it to themselves. So they, they, they communicated like, we're giving it all to Jesus. And in fact, they were keeping a portion of themselves. And Sapphira, the wife, knew about it. Ananias obviously knew what was going on. And Ananias was confronted by one of the church leaders. And he said, you know, the church leader said, why have you lied to God? And Ananias, he dropped dead on the spot. On the spot. The scripture says he fell down, he fell down and died and Great fear seized all who heard what had happened. And then young man came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, it says, his wife, not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you agree to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out as well. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And then the young man came in. Also finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband. So again, here's a situation where the authority was saying to do something wrong. She shouldn't have went along with it. She could have saved her own life. Because she was usurping the authority of another. And it's just, authority, God really, he, he, there's protection if we'll trust Him in this area of authority. If we'll do it His way. Another time we don't have to follow authority is when it turns demonic. Demonic of the devil. And that, that means it's determined to punish the good and reward the wicked. So it's reversed. God wants to punish wickedness and reward goodness. The devil, he wants to do the opposite. And so whenever leadership is moving in a direction that's determined to be demonic, we need to, we need to step back from that. <clears throat> if it's at work and you recognize, man, this, this place that I work for, is really they're they're not producing a product that is of real value for anyone. This this punishes good people and this this exalts wickedness. What I would recommend is you put your resume out as fast as you can and you go get a new job. You know, we have the freedom in our country to be able to do that, you know. So we haven't been able to touch on all the areas as it relates to following authority. This is really something we could spend months on because of how much there is in the scripture. And I, I really would love to dialogue with you more about this topic. But just to get an image, there's this umbrella protecting us in life. And the umbrella of protection is called following authority. And when you follow authority, it's like you stay under the umbrella and you're walking around. you got that umbrella with you at all times. As soon as you decide you don't want to follow authority, those who are leading you and who God has put over you and He has established, it's like you've moved that umbrella off 
and now you're going to get hammered by whatever is going to come. And so the trust factor, the key question is this, is God big enough to direct me through this person? It's really an issue of trusting God. It's not an issue if you, if you think this person is trustworthy, but is God big enough to direct me through this individual who you have put over me right now? And am I willing to trust you, God, to the extent that I will risk it all to follow you in this area? God, he truly can be trusted. I've seen him over and over, not, not only in my life and in my family, but I've seen it as others who walk with him take him seriously as they've stayed under the umbrella and they've walked through some pretty hard things, but they stay, they remain under authority and they see him come through again and again and again. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for what you've communicated to us about authority. Lord, and this is an area we don't typically think that much about, talk that much about, but Lord, it's so important to you. And um, God, it challenges us. I know it challenges me, and I'm sure not the only one here who, who really is, is um, you know, we, we ought to examine, God, just our, our following. For, our, for the people that you've put in our lives to, to lead us, Lord, we may not always agree with what they say or how they do it, the way that they do it, but God, you've, you've seen fit to put them there for a season maybe. And Lord, I, I pray you'd help us to, to be good followers, Lord. Protect us, Lord, as we do that. We thank you that you can be trusted, Lord, with all the issues of our heart as we will follow you in this area. pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.